Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of our podcast series of Ivy MBA Talk, Ask the Expert. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by my colleague of number of years. I'm not going to say the number of years because that will age both of us, but um, <laughs> Mary Townsend, who is our Senior Associate of uh, Student Financial Administration. Mary is here to help talk about finance through MBA. So I thought great series for you know figuring out from the expert herself of how best to finance for this investment to have her here today to share all her insights and wealth of knowledge so welcome mary thank you happy to share some information that might be helpful for uh, our students yeah absolutely it's great myself and, and our team we work with students for the whole admissions journey but part of buying an mba is certainly um, understand the investment and we really want you to come in with an idea of what that investment is and the options for that before you commit to an MBA. So before we get into the whole pain of you know, the, the tuition, the costs of uh, how to pay for that and manage this investment, um, I'm gonna give a little bit of an overview of our scholarships because that is part of the whole financial investment. We are very fortunate with our MBA program that we have um, generous admission scholarships from our alumni of donors, our corporate partners, um, individuals. We also have a very healthy operating budget. So how, what the hell it works in terms of deciding on admissions scholarship at the admissions committee after the applicant has put forward their application. If we decide based on all merit factors, so this comes down to strength of your work experience, those demonstrated soft skills like leadership, teamwork, comfort with ambiguity, whether it's depth of experience or breadth of it, you know, we want to make sure you're MBA ready in terms of you have an idea of what you want out of the program from a career perspective and you understand the rigor of the program. And then, of course, academically, we feel you can handle the pace of our one-year highly uh, contributive environment. If all those check off really well, we're going to give you an offer. And for most applicants, I'd say anywhere around 80% or so, we're going to then follow the conversation with what's the value of scholarship associated with this profile, given these same factors. So it's not, it is not a, one decision based on a factor of a, a GMAT score, which we're often asked about. It really is holistic. The scholarship application is within the whole application itself as well. So we do encourage you to fill it out, to share more about yourself, to help increase your chances of being part of that 80%, but also to help increase that value. I mean, scholarship values range anywhere from 10000 up to around you know, $80,000 for both Canadian and our international applicants. So I think that, Mary, is there anything else you want to add to the scholarship component of the of the assessment, or is that pretty well captured? Nope, that's pretty well captured. I'll go into some more details of um, sort of how we can, how you can fill out the uh, application, the scholarship Perfect. section. Yeah, that's great, because we do get a lot of questions around that, and you've seen just a few applications, I'm sure, in your time here. Yes, uh, quite a few, yeah. <laughs> Probably some advice on how to put forward a, a strong application in that area. So, yeah, why don't you give some advice and tips around that scholarship section of the application? Yeah, so um, as you work through your um, uh, MBA application, you'll come to a section um, called uh, scholarship, apply for a scholarship. And what we're trying to find out there is um, sort of if you've planned out what's your plan uh, for financing the scholarship. Um, and then also ascertain what sort of financial need do you have. We know it's an expensive program, um, so along with the scholarships, we just like to make sure that um, we see the picture, the, the large picture, and that you're thinking about it sort of during the process of applying for the program. So um, I'm just gonna go through, there's, there's a couple of sections um, in the scholarship section, and they'll ask you for personal contribution, um, expected personal contribution, and your financial plan. 
So I just want to go into detail about what do those mean? Like, what, do you, what are we looking for from you for those? So we'd like a number sort of, um, these aren't specific numbers, these are estimates, um, because we realize that you're a little far out from, from thinking about the nitty gritty details. Um, but personal contribution is what will you use from your own savings, um, borrowing against your RSP, uh, or any loans or assistance that you might get from family or friends. So you can sort of combine those numbers and, and put that information into that number into personal contribution. The next one that we ask about is expected uh, contribution. So that is going to be how much you're going to need to seek for uh, a loan from a bank, another financial institution, uh, government loans or grant programs, for example, OSAP. Um, is one of the programs in Ontario. There's some out of province uh, funding as well from the government. That's a combination of all of the money that you're going to basically borrow um, in, in a particular number that you can put in there. Now the next section is helps me um, and the committee when I when we're awarding the scholarships, the donor scholarships. So there's some questions that might look a little funny. The reason we're asking those is that we can help direct the right donor scholarship down the road to the, to the right student. So if you can just sort of go through and answer those questions, it's more along the lines of, um, you know, volunteer work, um, extracurricular activities, that, that type of thing. Then the last paragraph that you're going to fill out is what is your financing plan? You don't need to go into, you know, major detail here, but if you can sort of as an example hit these, these main topics. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting X amount of money uh, from my savings, X amount from OSAP, and X amount from my parents. Or it might be I'm getting, I have X amount of money for savings. I have, I'm going to get a loan from Prodigy Finance. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm also hoping to get a, a scholarship. So just sort of lay out what you're thinking um, in terms of your overall costs, not just tuition. So Lindsay, what well, the other thing I want to explain to, mm -hmm. to students is what, what is expenses should I consider? Right. Um, obviously there's the tuition, but what mm -hmm. are the other expenses that I should be taking into consideration as my overall um, number to start my budget? Mm -hmm. So the, obviously there's tuition. There's also some fees. Um, what the fees are, are Western uh, Main Campus ancillary fees. Uh, there's some course material fees for the program. There's some optional health coverage for domestic students. There is mandatory UHIP, um, which is a health insurance for international students. When you get your offer, you're going to get an email from me, and it's going to include um, the amount of tuition, and fees, and what I'm gonna do is give you a number that includes all of those various fees. Mm -hmm. So you'll be able to just add those two together so you don't need to worry about looking up how much are each of these fees. So yeah. I'll give you a, an estimate for, for that. You give very good detail in your emails, I will say that. Good, I hope that's <laughs> helpful um, when you're, you know, mm -hmm. you're trying to plan, and then you don't miss something for sure. um, unexpected. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, of course, is living expenses. On our website, uh, ivy.ca backslash MBA under admissions, you'll see a tab there that outlines some estimated living expenses. Mm -hmm. um, we update those every year 
Um, we do talk to students yeah. and uh, some consultants and try to give you a good idea of what uh, rents, et cetera, are like um, in the London area. Right. Some other expenses would be possibly flights if you're, mm. you know, if you're flying in internationally or from somewhere else in Canada. And then, of course, there's the study trip um, that you may or may not be interested in. Um, that's outlined on our website, or you could speak to um, um, Lindsay or Amy about mm. that. Um, and then there's PKP, right. which um, the pre-knowledge courses that um, Amy and yeah. Lindsay will, will be able to talk to you about. So those are some of the major uh, fees that um, you might want to mm. include when you're adding up all your expenses. It's good to be comprehensive because you're right, it's not just with that tuition fee. You know, we want you to come in almost over-prepared with financing options and the investments. So that way you're not in the program and then running out of money. That is not a position you want to be in in the program. So I got a couple questions, Mary, on this. And yes. It might help it's also some of the questions that Amy and myself receive on the, on the front end of it. So with the expected contribution field, you know, I, I think there's some maybe uncomfortableness with candidates with like, well, if I put in, I have... You know, if, if I, so with the personal contribution and the expected both fields, I would say, if I put in I have less money, is that going to increase my odds of getting more scholarship? That's a great question. Um, no. It's, it's <laughs> Short and sweet, well, no. All, all we want to know is um, do I need to sort of, you know, ex sort of look at um, the bigger picture in terms of, do you have a small gap that can be managed? Do you have a large gap that maybe I would, you know, talk to uh, Lindsay and Amy about and see what we could possibly do to, to help with that? So basically, I'm really mostly the only one that sees that. So mm -hmm. the, the more honest you are, that we can sort of help you up front mm -hmm. versus coming into the program um, and then running short on funding. Yeah. And because what happens is, and I've, I've had students that this has happened with, is it's just, it's upsetting. So you get to the fall of the program and, you know, you're, you're into your recruiting or you're just finishing your recruiting, you're enjoying the program, and now you've got this extra burden um, that we just hope that you can have it all sorted out before you come. Mm -hmm. Having said that, we understand things happen. Um, you know, finances change. Um, dollar in your country might change. Mm -hmm. we, we understand that life happens, mm -hmm. um, but the better prepared you are ahead of time, yeah. um, the easier it is for you to mm -hmm. have a good student experience um, mm -hmm. while you're here. We're here to help you find the resources mm -hmm. um, and, and we'll do the best we can with that. So with part of that then expected contribution, it's a question we also get asked around is, you know, a high percentage of our students get an award, but you know, there's I think it's difficult for a candidate to not come across as arrogant to assume they're gonna get an award, but they're hopeful. And we encourage people to be positive and be hopeful you're gonna get an award. Right. How, when, when you talk about that expected contributions money you're borrowing, would that play into them hoping to get a scholarship? And let's say they are average is 25,000, so they think, okay, if I get a $25,000 scholarship, should that be part of their expected contribution value? Or would you say include that more in your financing plan narrative and the application? Yeah, that's a great question. I would not include that in the section where you're filling in the expected uh, okay. contribution okay. Um, with the number, with the, fig the dollar right. figure. Okay. Um, students often in the financial um, plan section 
do say I am hoping, I hope my candidacy, you know, is, is good enough for me to be offered a scholarship and that would really help. It right. would um, alleviate the, you know, the $80,000 loan that mm -hmm. I need to get, but I would not include that in the expected contribution okay. section. So that's really getting you to look at, you know, what kind of a loan um, am I going to need? And right. I just want everybody to know that just so you don't feel that you're different than anybody else, I would say almost all students do um, need to get a loan and reach out for a loan. Uh, very rare would a student come in with all the funding. I mean, God bless them if they do. Right. Very fortunate. Those are rare birds. They're rare yeah. birds. Yes. So, it, um, you know, don't feel bad that no. this is, it, it is a great investment and, and yes. um, most students do need to uh, resource external funding. Absolutely, it's a great point, Mary. And it also reinforces that if you have a high, what we would say financial need by saying, I plan on borrowing pretty much 95% of money, that also no way negatively impacts your offer decision. That's right. Because we also know, you know, okay, you're gonna take out debt for this, but as long as you feel confident in, in obtaining these loans or um, support from family members to help you with paying for that, we're okay with that, whatever value that is as long as you have the means to pay tuition and can graduate. Because we all want that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And um, you know, when you're putting down a number, you're, you're not being held to that. We're not going right. to go back to that. Right. It's just that you know, I know that I have this much money in hand, and in order to meet the total budget, I'm gonna have to get a loan right. for X amount of money. Yeah, so make sure you're prepared. Yeah. Really bottom line it is. And Mary's here to give, as we are all are, for more resources if you do need that. So, okay, let's, we've, they've filled out the application, um, they've submitted it all, they've gone through your interview, hurrah, they're getting an offer, they got a scholarship, let's say. So let's talk about that next step, said Mary, once they do get an offer, what happens then? Yeah, great. So now you have your offer, you know if you've been offered a scholarship, mm -hmm. so you can sort of now look at your budget. So this is when you really want to get into the nitty gritty of finding out exactly how much you're going to be able to get from all of the resources. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break it into two, two sections here. Um, I'm going to talk first regarding um, some resources for domestic and permanent resident students. And then I'll talk a little bit about international students because there's some, there's some great resources for, for you as well. So if you are Canadian or you have a permanent residency, um, most students do get a loan or a line of credit is actually what it is with our Canadian banks. Mm -hmm. So we have some preferred rates and some preferred terms um, with the major banks for Ivy students. Um, our contacts for those banks are listed on our website and you can reach out to them on your own at any time and uh, say, you know, I've gotten an offer um, for MBA at Ivy and I'd like to uh, apply for a, a line of credit. They understand our students, they understand the program, um, they understand that our students uh, do really well with placement for jobs, so they do enjoy having our students um, come into their, their family um, as a potential uh, customer for, for a while. Um, you do reach out independently to the representative. They'll fill out an application. They'll probably want a little bit of paperwork in terms of a confirmation of enrollment letter, which is what you'll receive once you've paid your deposit. Um, any problems um, that you encounter, please reach out to me. I'm uh, your liaison with the banks and I'm happy to step in if you're having any issues. The reps that we have listed on the website um, are local to London. So if, for example, you're from uh, Vancouver 
and you have a great relationship with a banker at um, maybe TD Bank there and you'd prefer to, to get your loan there, that's no problem. What you'd need to do is just get that person to reach out to the representative mm -hmm. in London because we just want to make sure yeah. your account gets coded properly so you get mm -hmm. the, um, the preferred rates. Yeah. That's a great that's a great note there. Now, do they? What's your thoughts on if they haven't gotten an offer yet, but they're trying to figure out their financing plan so they can fill up those sections properly? Can they reach out in advance and, and not get it confirmed, but just say, would I be eligible for a line of credit? What would that value be? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, okay. you can reach out um, to those reps at any time and say, okay, just tell them where you are in the process. Right. Okay, great. And say, here's here's where I am, mm -hmm. and I wondered if I could uh, do some preliminary. And they understand that you're trying to figure out, you know. Um, where you're gonna get your funding. So yeah, yeah, reach out about that for sure. Okay. They're quite helpful. Great. Um, another resource, um, as I mentioned earlier, is OSAP. Mm -hmm. So MBA students are eligible for OSAP. Um, the, our experts on OSAP are on our main campus at Western. So if you have any questions, um, feel free to reach out to me. I may direct you right over to the folks at Western. There's a great uh, website for OSAP information on Western's mm. uh, uh, site. Mm -hmm. I include this information in that initial email after your offer. So all of this information, I mean, don't worry about scribbling this down. I should have said this sooner. <laughs> um, it, it will be in that letter that you get after your offer. And the information is also on our website with links to Western's website. Right. Um, it d depends on, you know, if, if how much you've used up um, possibly in your undergrad. Mm. Um, but I don't recall a student, you know, being turned down in terms of um, having already used up all of oh, their funding. Okay. Um, now, keep in mind, it is all related to financial need. Mm -hmm. But go ahead and apply. Right. Um, it's What's a the harm? It's a great resource. Right. Exactly. And, and as you may remember from undergrad, if you've used OSAP, is there are grants and there are also loans. Mm. So good point. Worth trying. Um, same as OSAP, but for other provinces, um, there's out-of-province government loans. Mm. I know students have used uh, BC and um, Alberta loans before. So um, again, we'll have the links provided for you to take you directly to those sites um, and investigate that because that's, that's a great resource for uh, our out-of-province folks as well. Mm -hmm. Something that maybe um, not everybody knows about uh, is that you can borrow against your RRSP up to $10,000. Um, it's for a calendar year, so as our program's 12 months, it's $10,000. Um, it's called the Lifelong Learning Plan, um, and you sort of pay that back um, over time. So details are on our website, so that's mm. always an option that not everybody is aware of, so please uh, feel free to look into that. It's, it's a great option as well. That's awesome. And so what's, what about permanent residents who just land in Canada uh, in terms of you know, some, we you know, get their express entry PR, but they haven't really lived in Canada yet. Would you, I mean, would your advice be saying they can still apply for the line of credit through these banks, but it might be more challenging they have, if they don't have credit history in Canada? Is that still the place? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what I uh, encourage, because I know everybody's sort of in a different place in mm -hmm. terms of their, their uh, permanent resident journey. Right. Um, but I would recommend you reach out, let them know where you are in the process. Okay. They certainly do loan to permanent residents. They typically require, and I know OSEP requires you to be in the province mm -hmm. for um, 12 months right. ahead of time. 
So OSAP might be a little trickier, mm -hmm. but I definitely recommend reaching out to the Canadian banks okay. and saying, you know what, I've got my preliminary documentation. Um, they've told me to expect my final papers within three months. Right. Um, or you may have lived here before. Right. And sure. have you may have been here for undergrad, mm -hmm. gone back home if you're right. an international student to um, uh, to work, and now you're coming back right. for your MBA. So definitely let them know what your situation is. Um, this is a little more towards the international side, but I do want to mention mm -hmm. it while we're talking about the banks, is if you are an international student, you don't have permanent residency status, however, you do have a, maybe a family member or a friend who lives in Canada who um, might want to co-sign a loan for you. Mm. Canadian banks will take that. It would have to be uh, an approved co-signer who uh, is a, um, is a Canadian citizen, or again, a permanent resident who has been here for over 12 months. Over 12 months, okay. Yeah, over okay. 12 months. So um, that's something that you can, mm -hmm. you can look into that's if you option. have somebody yeah. um, like that in your life. Perfect. So that's great snapshot and advice there, Miriam, for those who have domestic or PR status here as applicants. So what about those on the international front? What are their financial resources? Um, yes, so um, a little bit tied to the permanent resident status. If you have applied um, for the status, you have until the end of June of the year you start the program to provide final signed paperwork to Western to get your tuition reduced from international rates to domestic rates. So, so you've got three to four months after you start the program to get your final paperwork and then they would sort of date that back mm -hmm. and, and reduce your... Um, tuition to the domestic rates, right. which we have a couple of students mm -hmm. that happens for for every year. It's a nice grace period, really. Right? Yeah, You're it is. After the program start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. So that's something I just wanted to mention sure, about that. absolutely. So for um, students who are here on a study visa, um, we have a few uh, uh, resources for loans uh, noted on our website. These are a couple of companies we've been working with for several years now. And actually, we've had quite a good success. Students have had um, good success with loans. You may have heard these companies. One is called Prodigy Finance, and the other is called Empower Finance. Um, they're both external resources. Um, one thing about them is sort of a last resort um, type of a loan. So for example, perhaps you can't get a loan or a line of credit in your, in your home country. Um, these, these folks have started these companies to help international students fund uh, their tuition uh, for international uh, schools. The interest rates may be a little bit higher than what you're used to in your home country. Now, if your home country interest rates are really high, it might be great. It might be a, a, a great deal. But they're both very good companies. They pay the funding directly to the university. One thing I want to make sure that everybody understands is that they say that they will um, fund you also for living expenses. However, they will only send the funds to Western to your tuition account. So we aren't able to reimburse any of that funding. So what I always like to suggest to students is use your own savings um, or loans that you're getting from family members for your living expenses. Mm -hmm. And use the Prodigy or Empower funds just for your, um, for your tuition. Oh, I can't believe that they'll give them the money, but then it goes to us, and then we don't reimburse. So then it's almost like a 
that doesn't really match up then because they don't get the funds back. No, yeah. because it's uh, they're worried what they're, you know, they're following the guidelines uh, and the laws and it, it's a concern regarding um, money laundering. Uh, oh, okay. Well, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so for example, if you're getting a loan from Prodigy for, for uh, $40,000, but you only need $20,000 worth of tuition, mm -hmm. um, Western is not able to just reimburse you for that extra 20000 um, because that's against the uh, anti-money laundering okay. rules and regulations. Sure. So just to avoid that problem, it's it's best to sort of shift your money around mm -hmm. and use your savings for your living expenses first and then just use the loan money for, uh, for your tuition. Okay. Tuition is also, you can pay it at the beginning of the year if you want to, mm -hmm. um, but we do offer um, you to be able to pay in four installments. So it's divided out um, in sort of four terms over the year. You'll get the dates. Um, there's no charge for that. Um, so sometimes that helps if you don't necessarily want to get mm -hmm. a loan until um, the fall right? Um, because you don't want to pay interest earlier. If that works for Prodigy or Empower, that's that's perfectly fine with, with us. Okay. Also, students who are from India, there are a couple of resources on mm -hmm. our website and um, you should definitely go in and, and look at those. Um, th they're basically companies that will source loans for you. It's almost like a, a loan broker. Okay. Um, they have relationships um, with uh, funding partners mm. and also scholarship partners. Mm. So please check out our website mm -hmm. um, and there's a couple of resources there that you might find helpful. Now, having said all of that um, regarding those resources, we don't have, Ivy doesn't have anything to do with their decision making on whether you receive the loan. Same with actually with the Canadian banks. So that's, uh, we're just totally hands off. We're providing the, um, the resources to you and then you can go ahead and work, work with those folks on your own. Um, and not to worry, we're, we're not, we have no influence in, on that <laughs> at all. No. Um, because that's very personal it information yeah. and it's confidential and that's how they're treated at, mm -hmm. these, at these companies. Mm -hmm. No, that's fantastic. Well, a lot of great detail there, Mary, on you know, preparing for the MBA investment, some options for that. So as we wrap up then here, what would you say as a, okay, if, you've, if you remember only one thing from this conversation or one final piece of advice, what would it be for our applicants on the financial side for the MBA? I would say to alleviate your own stress, get your finances lined up as soon as you can. Um, have at least an idea of where you're getting everything from, uh, funding from, and how much, and uh, get your documents signed, because once it's, it's signed, sealed, and delivered, then you don't have to worry about it. Right. That's just one less thing to worry about, and then you can look into some of the other things like living where you're gonna live and, and whatnot. Um, better prepared is just makes life easier yeah. for your, yourself later. And, and when you start the program, there's other things to be thinking about. Absolutely. Well, well said, Mary. Uh, thanks so much for coming today and sharing such great information on the financial side, which is, a, again, like you can decide on the MBA program, but you really have to be prepared for that investment of that. So I uh, hopefully everyone today is taking away some great insights that they feel more confident and comfortable proceeding with this investment. Uh, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in to today. To myself, Lindsay Littman, uh, Mary Townsend, uh, we are here to help you with the MBA admissions journey. Any questions, please do reach out. And otherwise, we hope to see your application come through. Thanks, everyone.